Is this mic turned on? Wax poetic. Hi, kids. I'm a dinosaur hunter BMX rider. All the little girls dream of one day biting into a corn dog and smiling at the camera. If I ran the web, you could email dead people. Wax poetic. And I don't give a moment's focus to who does or doesn't like the sound of my voice. In the terrarium is herpes. Herpes is a hermit crab. Just say no to family values. This is Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. So what if I write a poem like a song? And welcome to Wax Buttock. I'm one of your co-hosts today, Pamela Bentley. And I'm your other co-host, Kevin Spence. And in the studio today, we are very excited to have Julianne Okot-Bitek. And I'm not a co-host. No, you're the guest. <laughs> Do you want to be? No, not today. That, not is, today. that is why we're, we're here for, as co-hosts, so that we can have you as a guest. <laughs> our purpose today. Um, so yeah, like we usually do, we'd like to ask you to start with the poem. Okay, um... I'm going to read a poem from 100 Days, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay. And now that I say that, I can't open it. <laughs> I've got a paper copy here. <laughs> Paper's good. Paper's good. Um, these are like stage notes. Kevin hands <laughs> Julie book. <laughs> she opens book. And 100 Days is the book that was published in 2016 that you're going to read, be reading from, and we'll talk a little bit more about it after the poem. Okay. So, day 67. Some days I want to stare at the sky. Perhaps I can learn something. Some days I think about how important the sky has become. I think about it, and in so doing, I make it exist. I make the sky an endless and expansive backdrop of blue. If there was a sky, how could it witness what it did and still maintain that calm hue? Oh, wow. Beautiful. That's And that's 67, so at that point, if you're reading the book in order, you know what the sky is witnessing. Mm-hmm. Um, as you said, if the sky could witness, would it? That's right, but it starts yeah. from 100, it works its way down to 67, ah, right? Okay. So it's not like you've read 67, right? Oh, okay. Up to 67. You've read down to 67. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So you've okay. got some idea of what's going on where by the time you get to the it. You know what mm-hmm. the it is. Yeah. You do know what the it is. Yeah. 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 Without having to say it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, for those of our listening audience that are unfamiliar with 100 Days, could you explain how it came into being and um, a little what bit of its genesis is? and the it? Yeah. Okay, 100 Days is a book that um, commemorates the 20th anniversary of the Rwanda genocide. So I wrote it in 2014, and uh, I wrote it as a social media project, and I was following um, Wangeshimutu, a Kenyan-American artist who had started to post a picture a day and so I posted a poem a day for a hundred days to think about and to meditate on what it means to remember days of genocide. I love 
the idea of using social media, which a lot of people associate with kind of vacuum communication or, you know, something that's somewhat superficial, but I love your kind of um, bringing together social media and meditate and think about something and really making use of something to its fullest. Um, was that the first time that you thought of using social media as a, as a medium for communication through poetry? Um, I've been writing poems on social media for a long time, but this project really was to get folks to, to you know how social media usually is about today in this moment, right? And um, Quibuka 20 was the 20th anniversary of the Rwandas genocide. So what is it to think about 20 years ago in the present? And in the present usually today is social media. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, we see this all the time now on social media, poems on social media, but you were probably doing it fairly early in the game. Mm -hmm. And then it came out with University of Alberta Press. Was that because you were working or going to school there? Or what was the association with the University of Alberta Press? Uh, University of Alberta Press uh, publishes poetry. Um, they publish three poetry books a year. So I submitted the manuscript. Mm -hmm. And they liked it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Were you doing your PhD at the time, or still doing that? it? Still <laughs> doing it, but it's at UBC. Uh, I remember the last time you were on, which was probably right after this book came out. It mm. must have been because I know that it existed. Um, we talked about you know where it had come from and the and the process of it. And you mentioned that your uh, that your uh, PhD advisor was like, "You don't need to be." <laughs> so, are you further along in the process? Um, 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 yes, I am. Yes, I am. I'm, on, I'm at the tail end. To be honest, I'm at the tail end. But the tail end is a long tail, right? Yes. Yes, mm -hmm. so I'm getting there. That's great. Yeah. And you're also teaching. Yes, I teach at Farley Dickinson University, which is uh, downtown Vancouver. And what do you teach? I teach English, oh. academic writing. Okay. But I use literature to teach academic writing because literature is cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you reading right now in your class? Ah, today we did Sylvia Plath's Daddy, uh -huh. and the other class we did Raymond Carver's Cathedral. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. I probably know the anthology you're working from. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, you are fresh off of a hugely successful event last night. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, yes. I would love for you to tell us yes, about that and what please. it was like for you and how it came about and... Um, Shalene Knight, a Vancouver poet, organized a, a group of us to to be on a panel to talk about what it re it means to be asked all the time, where are you really from, right? And so there was uh, uh, Randy, Wade Compton, Shalene Knight, and Chantal Gibson, and me. And so we all talked, we did presentations on what, how we understand that phrase, where are you really from? Mm -hmm. um, it was, I shouldn't say sold out because it's a free event. Full. It was free. It was Nobody absolutely yeah. full. I've never seen the Alice McKay room as full. People wanted to pay to be able to get in. Oh my goodness. There were so <laughs> many people. There was so much energy in that room. Wow. It was incredible. Awesome. Yeah. And um, so to be asked, where are you really from? Is that um, indicative to Vancouver, or is that sadly something that exists all across Canada in your experience? I haven't spent that much time outside of Vancouver. <laughs> yeah, I've visited. I've visited uh, other towns in, in other cities in, in Canada, but I haven't spent enough time for people to say, where are you really from, right? Mm -hmm. And that question um, 
it depends on the tone, depends on the person, depends mm -hmm. on the circumstance. But I suppose for the person who's being asked all the time, it for me it makes me think that um, being asked all that all the time is a reminder that I am not from here. And if I'm not from here, I cannot connect and make community. And if I cannot c connect and make community, I'll st remain alienated. And for me to remain alienated means that I cannot be the best of who I can be. And I'm not thinking about me in, in, per in particular, but any person. Mm -hmm. So we lose out as a society when we keep ask alienating folks who are among us. Instead of calling them in, letting them belong. Right, right. Or expanding what our, our definition of what it means to be from a place or how to belong to. Something. Right, right. And we can see how that way of where you're really from, um, how it plays out when the Vancouver police throw down and taser a man for jaywalking on Granville Street. Yeah. Right? Oh. That's about where you're really from. Mm -hmm. Because who gets tasered on Granville Street mm -hmm. where everybody jaywalks, right? Yeah. Well, and yeah. there's a lot more behavior than that that I'm not going to call for people being tasered, but I mean, if you're going to taser people... Not for jaywalking, yeah, seriously? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. there's been... I've been times when I've been in Granville <laughs> Yeah. I mean, not Granville Island, Granville Street, you know. Well, we all night. know. Yeah. We, we all know, know where tasers should be aimed and it's in the direction of Washington. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Why are you whispering? It still catches on the mic. <laughs> We're pretending that no one can hear us. Sometimes it's easy to do that. You're talking for a half an hour and all of a sudden the half hour is gone. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. There's been people listening to us for half an hour. Um, yeah, so I heard that it was a really great event. I wish I had been there. What did what stood out for you from um, what you heard from the other uh, presenters and speakers in terms of their experience and insights? Um, they were all remarkable, but I have to say that Chantal's presentation on a, an exhibit that she's have that she's going to be having at the Rome, um, I think Royal Ontario Museum. Um, it's about spoons. And so she's got all these, you know, these decorative teeny tiny spoons. Mm -hmm. She's got 2,000 of them lined up mm -hmm. and sprayed black. Mm. So when we first came in, we saw them uh, a framed kind of picture of that, right? And I was thinking, why are we going to be talking about DNA? So I saw DNA. <laughs> and she, she talked about how people see so many things from that, from that uh, spoons that have been painted black. Right. And she's trying to remind us what we see... Um, and how it teaches us about what we know about blackness. Right. That's mm -hmm. remarkable. Cool. So almost like a way of representing the diaspora in a way? Or? Yeah, you know what? If you, I, I suppose you can say diaspora, but how long does it take for people to be of a place? Yeah. When do you stop being diaspora? Yeah. I mean, for black people who've been here for 400 years, are they still diaspora, really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, we don't say that about white people. Yeah. <laughs> we know well, it, they, people use that in Scotland and Ireland. Yeah, I want yeah. to think about the Canadian yeah. context. Yeah. Yeah. But that, but that. Uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, not in the same way. I mean, normally we think of it either because um, I had this conversation with somebody who was using it, and they were like, "Can I use it this way?" And we so we went and looked it up, mm -hmm. and it's mostly used for African diaspora and then Jewish as right, well. Right. But then it's also used in um, like the, the the history of the clearances and all the immigrate immigrants that came from mm. Scotland and Ireland. And I went back to the island that my family came from, and they called it. Mm -hmm. That and so I was like, oh, it's interesting because usually it had that connotation hmm. to me as well. Hmm. I think it has to do with the waves of migration that have connection back to what we yes. call home, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've been thinking about Mennonite 
past births. There you go. <laughs> Interviewing my mom, asking her questions, and finding out about uh, relatives that we had in Mexico. Or my mom was like, oh, we went to Mexico. Your uncle was 14. He got drunk. Um, and I was like, why are we in Mexico? Oh, to visit relatives. <laughs> I was like, what? Like, I only get find out about this directly asking questions. But right. it's an, I don't know if that's the word to apply to Mennonite kind of traveling around the world and being scattered but yeah i think diaspora has the this the, the meaning has the has to do with scattering yes mm-hmm. okay. yeah yes so dispersal scattering right. yeah like not a movement just to one place yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so you've had this book out for a couple of years. It's won mm-hmm. awards. It's like you've, you've read from it a lot. Yeah. Is your experience reading from it now, has that changed? Is it? Um, I read from it when I do readings. Yes. Since, uh, since it was published, I've never read it cover to cover. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. So has my experience changed? I think that every time I read it, it's new. Because I don't mm-hmm. practice reading it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so do you just choose what you're going to read, which pieces you're going to read in the moment? Or do you have a plan, kind of, a plan that might change? But I had a plan today. Oh. But my piece of technology did not open up. <laughs> Has it opened up now? <laughs> so I went to the, the right. paper book and I opened it and I thought, which is the least depressing poem I can read today? And you knew that it was number 67? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it's not like least depressing or more depressing, but some of those poems are really painful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel pained to read them, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about um, an audience who might not be wanting to engage with that right now. Mm-hmm. So Day 67 is a meditative, reflective piece, yeah. so it's easier to read. And for yourself, after doing a reading what's the best thing for you afterwards is there anything that you do to kind of replenish kind of the the vulnerability that's been kind of um given to the audience no no not not really i think that um the privilege of writing it and engaging with those feelings and crafting the work is not the same as going through it right so i don't think that i'm I have to be afraid of those words, mm. right? But I do respect that words can be painful, mm. right? And I try not to pass on that, to victimize people <laughs> that way, yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's hear another piece from it. Okay. If you're ready. Sure. <laughs> hand off here. And I will say while you're looking for uh, the next piece that you are listening to Vancouver Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM, and our show is Wax Poetic, and our guest today is Julianne Okapita. Okay, thank you. I'll read day 25. Bones lie. Bones lie about their numbers and bits and parts. Bones lie in the open air, in fields, under brushes, along with others in state vaults, in museums as if they belong there, in piles as if they would ever do that in life. Bones lie about being dead, bleached, broken, pulverized as if we were not at all bone and don't live with nightmares. Bones have nothing to say, nothing about who it was that loved them the most. Wow. Beautiful. Thank you. Thanks. Um, I saw that you had said that you had no um, knowledge when you were young that you were in exile. No. 
Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, I was living in the country I was born in. So how is that exile? Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> I was born in Kenya, and uh, for the first decade or so of my life, we lived there, and uh, we never went anywhere else, right? Um, we grew up with all the other kids in the neighborhood. We all spoke the same languages. So how do you know you're an exile? Mm-hmm. What is it to understand what it is to be an exile? I only found out in grade four, and I remember that distinctly, because um, we were said, given an assignment to write about your home village. And so I went home and said, how come we never go to the village, like for Christmas, or, mm-hmm. right? How come we never go home like that? And then my parents said, well, we're not from here. And I'm like, what do you mean we're oh, not wow. from here? Yeah. Right? Because then we were city folk. Mm. Mm. This is when I first heard that we were Ugandans. And so I went back to school and did my presentation. And at break time, some boys were saying, go back to Uganda. Ugandans eat people. Oh, wow. (laughs) Then that was was the first time I understood that to be from somewhere else can also be to, to be made fun of because there are stories about that place. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Or misunderstandings, fear. That's where the stories come from. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Have you written poetry um, about those first 10 years of just growing up in Kenya, or does that appeal to you at all or not? Um, I think, well, if my childhood is to be compared to other people's childhood, it's unremarkable. It's just you were kids, you played, you, right. <laughs> you disobeyed, but you. you I think of fun. somebody like Gaston Bachelard, he, you know, he writes about that childhood rapture that kind yeah. of everybody has, right? That very first time you see anything and how it's this revelation of, of something that forevermore sort of, you know, um, creates a template of, of our world. And so I'm just thinking out of that, that experience of it's fresh and new for every single person in the world of like, wow. Yeah. You know, the other day we went to see Miriam Makeba at uh, Van City. No, yeah, it was at Van City Theatre as part of the Black History Month. Um, and her music just took me back to my childhood. And I recognized, I think, oh, well, for the first time in a long time, if at all, that we grew up joyful mm-hmm. because this was the music of a backdrop, right? And there's um, film about kids having fun and adults dancing. And I remember that kind of being, mm-hmm. right? And so... Um, Growing up, I forgot how happy we were. I've never thought about writing it, but maybe because I didn't appreciate how joyful it was. It just was what it was. Yeah, it was just what it was, right? So it's like if it's not, not taken away from you or you don't have a, a, a contrasting experience, it, it doesn't stick as, as much. You know, like you don't realize that what, yeah. Yeah, or maybe I thought about it as foundational, and yeah. so if things are happening, I don't feel like it was stolen from me because no. it was already always there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you have a new chapbook coming oh, out yeah. soon. Yes, yes. Well, tell us about the new chapbook because that's really all I know. <laughs> it's <laughs> called <laughs> It's called Sublime, a Lost Country, and it's by Elephant Press. Um, Brock Roswell is helping mm. me. Uh, do that. Um, it's a collection of poems that I've put together from the, the mundane, sublime and fantastical, which was all the 165 poems that I wrote after writing 100 days. Okay. So I cleaned up a few of them, and I'm really proud of them, um, because I tried to be clever this time. 
Um, yeah, so I can't wait for it to come out. <laughs> what what kind of terrain do you explore? What's what are the topics or techniques? Oh, okay. I, I can talk about techniques. For instance, um, the table of contents reads like a poem. Nice. I think that's awesome. Uh-huh, I'm <laughs> right? <not> kidding. <laughs> Obviously, you wrote the table of contents. I wrote the table of contents, <laughs> yes. yes. But, and the footnotes that read like poems, independently, oh. right? Oh, yes. I have a friend who loves footnotes. Sometimes the footnotes <laughs> are the poem. I'm going to have to tell her that. Um, you said that this time you were clever. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that intrigued me. <laughs> um, clever is not uh, a characteristic I associate with me. Okay. Um, I get bits and spots of stuff that I put together sometimes, but clever is something that I think is intentional, right? Ah, uh, okay. To do an intentional crafting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and to have a goal, right? When I was writing 100 Days, I wasn't trying to be clever. Mm. It worked out, but I really wasn't trying to be clever, right? But this one is pretty clever. Might not be deep, but it's clever. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any of it with you? No, I don't have any. I don't have a copy of it. I'm afraid. (laughs) Well, it's not out yet. Yeah, yeah. But the poems are written. Yes, they are, (laughs) and they're in an email somewhere. (laughs) Um, Can you tell us when it's going to be out? Did you already say that? No, um, should be out shortly. I would expect sometime this spring. It was supposed to be out in January, but you know, technology. Mm -hmm. So we can look for a launch at some point soon. Um, it actually will be available online for free. Oh, okay. Oh, so I will oh. announce it. Oh, excellent. Yeah. And will you have a paper copy as well? Will you have a hard copy as well, or is it only online? It's, it should be only online, but I'll bribe Brock. We'll see if he can print for me a couple. <laughs> yeah, can you tell otherwise us? we're going to read from, right? Yeah. Right. Elephant Press, can you tell us about that? Is that a Vancouver, Canadian, um, American press? Or? I think it's an American press. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, we still have time for more poems. More poems. If you want to read another poem, okay. I would love that. Well, I'd love it more if you chatted about something so I can find this. Thing. Okay. Can we talk about? Well, it, there was a beautiful moment at the beginning of today where Pam was wrestling with the mic, not to put you on the okay. spot, but it was a beautiful moment. <laughs> was it? Yeah, it was quite. Maybe it was something else. You. It was great. Yes, yeah, I was about to turn the mic on, <laughs> and then I realized I hadn't. Because the mic and the, on the control board is like this massive thing. It's it's. I mean, you could probably knock yourself out with it if you if you swung into it the wrong way. It was a wonderful moment. Okay. It was quite quite nice. Well, thank there was you something for poetic. seeing it. As there, it was poetic, <laughs> right? Wrestling the mic so that I can speak yeah. into it. I wasn't sure what you were going to say. There was this beautiful moment. I was like, oh, where's he going? <laughs> but we can. Turn it over to you now, Julianne. Yeah. Okay, thank you. I've got this poem, and I was so excited to find a poem that I had not read before. And now that I've opened it, I'm thinking, holy shit, I think I have read it before. But it's okay, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Okay. Oh, yeah. You can read whatever you want. Okay. <laughs> this poem is... Uh, so let me just read what I've got here, right? Okay. Um, this poem is informed and held together by the third verse of Amazing Grace. <laughs> The hymn written by John Newton, an English slaver who didn't die when the ship he was on was wrecked on the shores of Scotland. And so he was grateful for this, to the same God for the opportunity to keep at enslaving people. Wow. So we must no longer try to connect this song of salvation to the reckoning of slavery as terror. My friend Cass taught me about the word grace. She told me that grace was a product, a receipt that the giver had much to gain from giving. 
if not more. What do you lose when you receive, she asked me. Your humanity does not depend on the gift. It was already always yours, no matter what they say. What is it that the other receives grace in the giving? Do they understand how they are bound in what they think is a gift to you? It is they who were bound for 10,000 years, not you, my friend, never you. So this song is, a, is partial evidence that poets and songwriters are not to be trusted, mm. no matter how beautifully they set their words and no matter how enduring their songs are. And it's important to note that John Newton never wrote the third verse. When we've been there 10,000 years Bright shining as the sun We've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first began. Yesterday I saw you across the street, I at the window, as I would be in a movie shot, I having parted the curtains as in said movie shot, but not today. You out there minding your own, you thick in another's life, how was I to know from this side of the window, how was I to know? 10,000 years bright shining like the sun, last night, a strawberry moon that my ancestors called something else. Let me sing to you anyway. Let me sing to you. And let me sing while I still can. We've no last days to sing God's praise than when we first began. As if we started today just today, like right now, like you and me, as if we got 10,000 years more to come, except that you and me don't, can't and won't. Two minutes ago, mine on yours, what is the meaning of time in a sentence? We've been here 10,000 years, bright shining like the sun, last night a strawberry moon, whose name I don't know, you were across the street, thick in another's life, how was I to know? Save me a minute, just one minute, before this work of praising God begins again, one minute, give me a minute, so that I can forget that skin can't matter that much, that this skin, this skin, this skin, this skin can't matter so much that I can forget that we owe a God Father forever, a Father God that peddles forgiveness, a man God, a male God, one that was never created in my image, we gave God's grace. We've no last days to sing God's praise than when we first began. Wow. Wow. 
I love how, you know, you, you, you give a song title and then it sort of just plays out, right? Unconsciously, you say Amazing Grace and then it starts to kind of play out in your mind. And then as you develop your poem, kind of alongside the, you know, the, the musicality playing in the background, you rethink those lyrics and then you burst out into song and it's i just love the framing of that and Thank then also you. the like cinematic framing so you're also um suggesting that we th we think about it kind of stepping out right. as a framing is that what a beautiful poem thank you thank you and also we remember we need to remember that we are inside that frame we're inside that song right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that you deconstructed the origin, or maybe not deconstructed, informed, right, mm -hmm. and educated about the origin. Mm -hmm. uh, because so often we think of things as beautiful and we don't think about what pain was associated with those or what harm that person may have done. Like you say in the poem that wrote that beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, like something like Rhodes Scholarships, for instance, right? Right, right. You know, like that is like, it's, it's informed and funded by colonialism and by yeah but then it does good things now like right so the the beauty of amazing grace does not get taken away because the guy who wrote it was a jerk <laughs> a jerk <laughs> i think so very, that's a very uh, diplomatic <laughs> Understated. It's like a hyperbole by understatement. There's probably a, a, a term for that kind of uh, device. But um, when you finish that, I wanted to just say thank you for being here because I thought what more is there to say after uh, a reading and performance uh -huh. like that. Thank uh -huh. you for being here. Thank you. Um, and um, I'm just going to say that uh, you can still get your tickets for Growing Room that's coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh -huh. So that yeah. might be something to go look up. Growing Room by Room Magazine. Roommagazine.com backslash festival. Uh, and um, we don't really have time for any more listings, so I thought that was the one that I would mention. Uh, so thank you, Julianne, for being here. I'm thank Pamela you. Bentley. And I'm Kevin Spence. And I'm Juliana Cockpitek. <laughs> no apologies necessary is coming up next. You've been listening to Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. So what? So what? So what? So what?